Hi, this is Ellie Fishman. Welcome to part three on musculoskeletal CT. And in this, we, you know, I want to follow up what we had spoken about before in terms of a lot of the vascular applications in trauma. Now, this may not be exactly vascular per se, but it's in the category of things we need to look at that are very critical. So one point is this is a patient who's trauma, has trauma, and you can see this patient is pregnant. You can see the placenta, you can see the fetus. Now, people argue about the use of CT in pregnant patients, and you try to minimize it. Sometimes you have to with pulmonary embolism or even occasionally with appendicitis. But I think no one would argue that when it comes to a pregnant patient, you need, if you have to do a scan, just do it. Don't worry about it. You can see in this case, the patient has extensive pelvic fractures, diastasis of the right SI joint. Did the CT, there is no vascular injury, but you can see the extensive pelvic fractures. Placenta looks good. There's some soft tissue in the right buttocks. And the reason we don't worry about it is because in this article, Sajo makes a very nice point. When there is concern for maternal injury, CT is the mainstay of imaging. The risks of radiation to the pregnancy are small compared to the risk of missed or delayed diagnosis of trauma. When you look at the numbers, trauma is the leading cause of non-obstetric maternal mortality, infecting up to 7% of pregnancies, and is also a significant cause of fetal loss. Uh, now, it's interesting, if you just go by pregnancy tests, about 2% of level 1 trauma patients actually have a positive pregnancy test. When you look at pregnancy, the causes of trauma, MVA is by far number 1, then falls, assault, and potentially gunshot wounds. Now, when you look at the type of injury, Sager goes on to say that certain injuries in pregnancy are associated with increased risk of fetal loss, and pelvic and acetabular fractures are one of them. Okay, very important. So I think the takeaway message is in the ER setting, trauma patient, whether they're pregnant or not, just do the study. Do not twiddle around. Do not worry for pregnancy tests. If the study is necessary, just do it. There is no issue. Now, when we spoke about trauma, we spoke about you know the skeleton and muscle, and we spoke about looking at the vessels as part of a comprehensive workup. When you think about the comprehensive workup, you also have to think about other things. When you look at pelvic trauma, there, for example, there are secondary findings, soft tissue or muscle injury, like in the last case, pelvic hematoma, bladder injury, and colon injury. Now, there's no doubt that the method of trauma, the specifics, will determine the frequency and type of injury. Obviously, gunshot wound, you're worrying about all sorts of things from vessels to organs like bladder and uterus and colon versus a stab wound where it depends on the depth of the stabbing and what's in the way versus a motor vehicle accident. Well, one of the things we specifically worry about is the bladder, and that's true when there are fractures present in the pelvis. Now, people have written articles saying, well, you worry about bladder injury, you gave IV contrast, just wait for the bladder to get distended. Well, it's clear that about 70 to 80% of bladder injuries will be missed if you let the bladder distend by gravity. Unless you really distend the bladder by force, that is dripping in contrast, that is doing a CT cystogram, you're going to miss the majority of bladder injuries. And again, CT cystography is ideal when there are fractures or gross hematuria to determine what patients have bladder injury and to find the extent of it. It's an easy study to do. We simply drip in 500 cc's of contrast solution. 
That is, we take 30 cc's of Omni 350, inject it in a bag of 500 cc's of saline, and then we drip it in under gravity. It takes a couple of minutes. When you look at bladder trauma, we talk about blunt trauma being number one, penetrating trauma number two, and hydrogenic trauma being number three. If you look at some of the specific facts, GU trauma occurs in about 10% of patients with trauma, and bladder injury is about 1.6%. Bladder rupture occurs in up to 11% of patients with pelvic trauma. However, up to 90% of patients with bladder rupture have a pelvic fracture. So you can see it's a high risk. Uh, and particularly, the more complicated the pelvic fracture is, the more fragments of bone, the more displacement, the more likely you are to have a concurrent bladder injury. Now, when you look at the injuries, up to 80% are extraperitoneal. A majority uh, of these are going to be you know, the classic extraperitoneal uh, studies with contrast, uh, and these patients can be managed conservatively. Up to 20% are intraperitoneal. Those patients always go to surgery, and up to 10% of cases are combined rupture. And remember, intraperitoneal is the one you need surgery because it has high morbidity mortality. You can see when you use gravity, the bladder really distends nicely. You could see if there was any extravasation. You could look at the bladder with 3D and multiplanar. You have a very nice look at the bladder. So in this case, with acetabular fracture, you see multiple fragments of bone. You see associated hematoma present. Uh, here it is in the coronal view. Well, you distend the bladder, and there it is. The bladder looks perfect. There's no evidence of hematoma. There's no evidence of contrast extravasation. There is no abnormality present. Now, it's important to recognize, and you can see in this case, this was a CT cystogram without any other part to the study, basically. Ideally, if, you have, if a patient has a pelvic fracture or is hematuria and you suspect a bladder injury, you should try to do the CT cystogram as part of the initial CT scan. It makes life a whole lot easier, decreases radiation dose, and speeds the process. Another example, gunshot wound to the perineum, you have to worry about bladder injury. So you do a CT cystogram, Foley catheter is in place. You see the bladder, the bladder looks great. There's no evidence of bladder injury. And then you look at this case where you can see the contrast extravasation, intra and extraperitoneal from the patient's bladder. You can see the contrast extravasation tracking upward toward the retroperitoneum, particularly to the left of midline. And here's some delayed images of the kidney where you can see the kidney is excreting contrast bilaterally, but it is those um, the injury that is going to be most critical, which is the bladder injury. So again, we'll scan higher to make sure there's no concurrent injuries, but again, the distension of the bladder was critical. Same thing is true with the colon. If you see a gunshot wound, a stab wound, and it seems to perhaps be by the colon, if you see air bubbles, extra luminal, then you know for sure there's a perforation. But sometimes it's just the mechanism of injury, where the injury tracks, and the clinicians are concerned. And so you may give rectal contrast. And here's just a very nice example where the patient was given rectal contrast. You can see the tube in the rectum. You can see the gunshot wound in the right ischial rectal fossa. But there was no evidence of any colon injury. And here it is from the three Ds, including the sagittal views. So recognizing that uh, this becomes a very important component of what we do. So when we think about trauma, I mentioned about thinking of vascular injury doing CTA, but think about concurrent organ injury, particularly with 
pelvic fractures, for example, the highest morbidity and mortality does not relate to the bone. It relates to everything beyond the bone. So that indeed becomes important. Now, the last thing I just wanted to cover, and again, it's kind of an add-in topic, but I just wanted to make the point of the role of CT in trauma, making the point that often it does so much better than we can on axial imaging. And yes, the dose may be a touch higher, but when you look at the entire spectrum of the process, it's really very economical. This article by Wellong made the point that 30% of wrist fractures were not prospectively diagnosed by radiography and made the point that perhaps CT should always be done. You look at this case and you see a very subtle radial fracture, which you can see here as well. You can see in this case the details of the trabecular bone, the details we have of the carpal bones. Being able to see everything in 3D works out very nicely. Another example of an impacted distal radial fracture, which you can see from multiple planes and multiple perspectives. Or this case with pain, and this patient, when you start looking very carefully, this patient has a scaphoid fracture. And it's the mid-third of the scaphoid. That's the classic locations for patients developing non-union. Again, there's no widening of the scaphoid lunate space. There's no other findings of note, but there is this scaphoid fracture, and you'd be concerned about this patient developing a vascular necrosis. And then you could look at it from multiple planes and see the displacement. Another example, trapezoid fracture. Really, really nice positioning of the fracture, of the orientation. Again, looking at the trabeculation of bone, you recognize what... Uh, even with the most subtle of fractures, you can see changes in the bone texture and trabeculation. And so where you think perhaps I may walk by the lesion, perhaps you do need to look extra careful. But I think with the post-processing, we do things ever so better in that regard. And here's just another example showing you the same imaging. This article by Wolong, uh, 30% of wrist fractures were not prospectively diagnosed. Again, making the point of changing the paradigm. Perhaps we need to figure out in areas where plain films are not good, why do we do the plain films? Why do we waste time? Why do we waste money? Just basically determine and triage patients according to what things will go well. This article did make the point, for example, uh, not only was it 30%, but the location of dorsal scaphoid avulsion fracture emphasized the need for specific radiographic views. And that's very important. So we need to make certain you're getting all the views you need but not too many views. You look at some numbers, proximal carpal row, lunating triquitrum, uh, were often radiologic occult, distal row, they're also occult, zero, zero, and 40% of the time. So again, very, very easy to miss. There's a lot more I can talk about. Um, now we should say that, of course, one of the reasons, amongst many, why you don't want to miss carpal fractures is because patients develop complications, including osteonecrosis. So indeed, is very problematic. Finally, concluding then, CT plays a major role in musculoskeletal injury, designing the protocols correctly, whether it means giving IV contrast, whether it means giving rectal contrast, whether it means putting contrast in the bladder, all of that is critical because if you don't do the studies correctly, you're gonna miss those diagnoses. The role of high resolution imaging, thin section CT, trauma is not a five by five technique. You need thin sections, and if you do that, I think you're going to do really well. And with that, have a great day.